yeah I, oh i was i wasn't there for like five minutes and um they found me right away and man they were pissed <laughs> they uh yeah they drugged me out of there they called they called the real cops welcome to creative ops a podcast for creative people Welcome to Creative Ops, a podcast for creative people. I'm your host, Christopher Talon, and today I spoke with Adam Truckee, who is an engineer and owner of AJT Design. They make key fobs and interior car parts, like customized ones, not just <laughs> not just your run-of-the-mill things. This is really cool, customizable stuff for people that really like to, as he puts it, nerd out on their cars. So Adam and I spoke uh, about engineering and his education and his work experience, but we also started out here by talking about music, our possible, <laughs> our possible neurodivergences. We talk about some old college spring break stories, which I'd like to announce <laughs> <laughs> Proudly, I don't drink alcohol, and I haven't for a couple of years now. So, don't worry about uh, <laughs> if you're like, man, this guy sounded like a troubled youth. I I'm good. <laughs> anyway, we talked about uh, his education, his work experience, and then also really got into him starting his own business, what that was like, how he grew that business, and what it all comes down to is this guy has a figure it out mindset, and if you bring a figure it out mindset and you keep going forward good things happen. So here's my interview with Adam Truckee of AJT Design. Hope you like this one. Hope you feel inspired. See you on the other side. of a music snob I, I collect records i like stuff from the 60s and 70s or yeah or weird indie stuff that people don't know yeah. um yeah i mean i could i could go down a whole hour of just talking about random music and bands and and stuff like that uh i wouldn't hate that you know all the yeah. all the music that i do on the show here i make that too so i i could talk music <laughs> oh, so you're an actual musician i'm <laughs> I'm an actual musician in so much as that I've recorded myself playing music. That's cool. <laughs> I have not, I have, I have not, I've not, I've got, I've got no actual musical talent, but I, you know, I collect records. I, I listen to stuff. Um, I know things, you know? Yeah. yeah. And if, I don't know who, I don't know who is in what band, that type of thing. That's awesome. Yeah. And I don't know if you're neurodivergent, but I am. And I find, um, you know, the more I've researched my neurodivergence that, um, music actually has like a very like soothing almost uh puts me into like a meditative type of state of mind and i kind of start ignoring all the things around me where some people are just like oh this this music hits cool you know it really uh it really kind of takes me over i'm i'm, I'm googling what neurodivergent means oh having a brain like... having ha having a brain that works different differently from the average or neurotypical person yeah i i would say that's probably me yeah, I think I'm, well, I know that I, I've been diagnosed ADD. I, uh, I wouldn't be surprised if I'm a little autistic. Yeah, I always, I always tell people I'm on the spectrum. Like when I do something that's like socially weird or <laughs> rude, I was like, yeah. hey, like, give me a break. I'm on the spectrum, you know? Yeah. But you can only get so much mileage out of that. I mean, I, I mean, I probably am, but I'm not like, I'm not like way on the spectrum or uh, people like you're not on the spectrum. Yeah. Like, yeah, I don't, I don't know. I've never, I've never been like diagnosed and I, I don't really care, but um, you can talk to strangers. Yeah. You can look people in the eyes when you have to. Yeah. Yeah. I can yeah, do all yeah. that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I always had a hard time looking people in the eyes when I was little too. So that maybe, <laughs> maybe part of it. I would, I would try to look like, now, you know, shake someone's hand, look them in the eyes and I'd be looking them in the eyes and I could start to feel my eyes starting to tear. Like I was staring into the sun. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. 
not as bad now. I've yeah. worked through, I think, most of it in, in my adulthood. Um, That's good, yeah. Yeah. I racked up, uh, I, I went to Ferris briefly after I graduated from high school and uh, I racked up academic probation and two MIPs and then I was like, all right, I'm just going to go work construction. Oh, yeah. See, I went to college in the early 2000s and they used to have like parties on these houses right on campus and yeah. the campus security would show up at like, I don't remember if it was midnight or two in the morning. I think it was probably like two in the morning. And they would just be like, all right, everybody, set your beers down, time to go home. And as long as you didn't, like, try to start a fight or anything, everybody everybody was pretty chill. Like, nobody was actually getting uh, MIPs. Yeah. Well, you know, you know, the thing is, I was being super chill. I was actually in bed when I got the first one because I was, <laughs> we, we, everybody had been drinking. We were all, like, 19. Um, we were at uh, a friend's dorm at a different college. And there was people just kind of like having a dorm party, but they were being too loud out on the balcony. Meanwhile, I was like, eh, I'm just going to go to sleep because I'm tired. So I went into a bedroom, laying down. All of a sudden, the door opens. This police officer goes, get up. I'm like, huh? <laughs> so I walk out. I get an M I get an MIP for, uh, I wish I could remember what the alcohol was. At the time, you could drive with a point one, I think, because it was early 2000s. Yeah. And I was below a point one, so I was like, "Oh, I could have driven if I was twenty one, but because I'm nineteen, <laughs> I'm getting a ticket." Can't be a bad, yeah. That's that's ridiculous. Yeah. And the other the other one I got, I was getting a ride home. I called somebody. I said, "Hey, man, I had like three beers. Can you come give me a ride?" Sure. Cop pulls us over on the way back to the dorms. Have you been drinking? No. Anybody else in the car been drinking? I'm like, "Yeah." They're like, "Get out." And I tried to tell them to like, "Man, I called for a ride. Doesn't matter." But that's campus police. Yeah, they were they were chill up there. I remember doing a spring break at time at uh, when I was twenty, and everybody I was like twenty. I was like twenty and a half, you know. Yeah. And everybody else I was with was like was like twenty one or over, you know. They I I had like a lot of older friends. We went down and it was just like this cheap, you know. Everybody puts in two hundred bucks and it pays for the gas and the the room down there. It's, this kind of condo uh, hotel situation right on the beach and it's all college kids and it's, you know, girls going wild and all that yeah. typical early 2000s <laughs> spring break stuff. But the weather was, the weather was terrible. And, um, somehow I don't remember how I, I went into this bar and I'm trying to remember how the hell, Oh, all the rest of my guys that I was with went out to like a bar and I met this other guy and you can buy this thing. It was like 50 bucks and it was a giant plastic cup and they'll refill it with as much beer as you could drink for the whole week. So he's taking his cup and he's pouring beers into my cup. And then the security people at the uh, bar saw that. So they kicked, they kicked us both out. I think they took away his $50 cup, which I felt terrible because he was just some dude I just uh. met. <laughs> and they told, and they told me they're like, stay out of this bar for the whole rest of the night. And I was like, okay. Yeah. So I go back to the room. My buddy, me and my my buddies come back from the real bar. I tell them what happened. They're like, oh, don't worry about that. They're like, just change your clothes, you know, take off your shorts and put on some pants and put on a hat. They're like, no one will ever know the difference. We're going back. I'm like, okay, sounds good. I'm in, you know. Yeah. I, oh, I was I wasn't there for like five minutes, and um, they found me right away. And man, they were pissed. <laughs> they uh, yeah, they drug me out of there. They called they called the real cops. <laughs> this is in the south. This is like in. And um, they like escorted me from like the bar to like the front office. There's a guy behind me in the southern accent. Oh, Lord, if you try to run away, I will like hunt you down with my nightstick, and I will beat you to the ground. Do you understand me, boy? I was like, holy shit! I'm like, I'm not running away. I'm not resisting. I'm just doing whatever, you know. And yeah, it was like a whole thing. There was like three or four of them. You know, I remember this one cop. He must have been about four foot eight, and he was sitting on the desk, and his little legs were just sitting there dangling. Oh, you must be stupid. Blah, blah, blah. They made us, they, we all had to go back. All my, the guys we had this room with, go back to the room. We had to dump out all this beer, <laughs> all this booze. They searched the whole room for drugs. No one had anything. And, um, oh God, it was awful. And the whole rest of the trip, the cops were like hovering around, just like watching me like a hawk. Ugh. 
It was terrible. I kept calling it the worst spring break ever in like comic book guy's voice from the Simpsons, you know? Yeah. <laughs> and, um, and then everybody was getting everybody was getting pissed off at me for complaining the whole time. And yeah, it was awful. But that's probably the closest I've ever been. To, I don't know why they didn't actually give me an MIP for all the trouble they went to. Right. I think they just wanted to have a good time. I don't think they actually cared about those police, man, those police that you said. Yeah. OK, what year was it? Do you remember? Because we might have been there at the same time. This would have been, uh, shit. I think this would have been 2003. Okay. Yeah. Uh, we might have been there at the same time, buddy. <laughs> the I, weather uh, was terrible. Whenever, whenever, whatever time it was, it was kind of an early spring break. I, I, I went I in the barely, ocean, but it wasn't fun. Yeah. I, I didn't even, I don't even think I got in the water the whole time I was, oh, I was the only person who was like 19. Everybody else was 23, 24, 25 or whatever they were. So we go to this bar the first day we're there and he's like, Hey, are you going to be drinking? I was like, Nah, I'll probably be driving. Later on, he's like, hey, I got these shots for all you guys. I'll get you one, too, if you're not driving. And then my buddy just looks at me. He's like, yeah, you get one, too. I was like, okay. Guy gives me a shot. It was the guy that owned the bar. So he's like, come back here later. We're having a whatever night. So that guy starts serving me drinks then and there. When we show up later that night, he's like, hey, guys, all right. And he just starts giving us drinks. But then he walks away. I go up to get another drink. And the person's like, sure, just let me see your ID real quick. And I was like, uh... And then they're like, you got to get the fuck out of here. I was like, okay. <laughs> yeah. And they gave me the Good. same thing. They're like, we don't want to see you here again. Like, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Done. <laughs> yeah. And the thing was, this place I was at, it was all spring break kids. There were no real yeah. adults there. I don't yep. think there was anybody over like 25 in the whole place, you know? 100%. Except the guy that owned the bar. He was like the only guy. He looked ancient, but in retrospect, he was probably like as old as I am now. Right. Yeah. So yeah. Anyways, yeah, that was yeah that was that was probably the that's probably the closest I've ever been to getting in any real trouble. And I wasn't even yeah. in college. I wasn't even anywhere near where I was. Yeah, those but police. Had, were I mean, we so, had fun, but those police were so busy up there. I remember seeing like a beer delivery truck as we were driving into town. There was a beer delivery truck. The back was open. A guy was like taking his dolly into the store. As soon as he's in the store, a kid jumps up into the back starts throwing down cases to his friends and cops just tackled him. <laughs> <laughs> it's wild west. Yeah. So they're dealing with guys like that, actually like doing like B and E type stuff. They're like, okay, this kid was just drinking. All right, just pour his beer out and tell him to go home. Yeah. <laughs> all right. So now we've got all the incriminating stuff out of the way. What is your formal education and training? Did you go to engineer school? Did you figure all this stuff out on YouTube? What? So I have a bachelor's degree in mechanical engineering from Lake Superior State University. I graduated in 2006. Okay. Are we about the same age? I just turned 40. Yeah, me too. Okay. So I graduated from college. Let's see. I was 29 and I graduated six Seven years after you did so. Okay, so yeah, you graduated at a... Jelly a master's or something? No. <laughs> no, man. I, uh, I, I just blew off high school, completely blew it off, got work full-time doing construction, which I had been doing in the summers in high school. And then about a year into that, I was just kind of like, eh, this construction gig isn't like leaning towards the opportunities I was hoping. Like I was hoping maybe I'd get in on somebody's crew, like being a a carpenter or something but it just you know they weren't in dire need at the at that time like they are now so they were kind of like oh just keep picking up the garbage and we'll eventually get you in on stuff and i got sick of that and i joined the military <laughs> so oh, wow yeah i was 21 when i joined the military 26 when i got out went to school and finished uh just before i turned 30 well you've got yeah that's uh that's a pretty <laughs> crazy career path it is a crazy career path. And then I used my degree in uh, education for like uh, about five years and then just stopped teaching and have been more or less just been podcasting and writing and doing stuff like that. Nice. Yeah. So that's my big roundabout path. Let's get into yours then. Were you the kind of kid that was like, let me take this apart and see if I can figure out how it's kind of guy or or what yeah 
yeah, I was always like a, like a tinkering type of a kid. Uh, you know, like Legos, yeah, taking toys apart. Um, I mean, nothing, nothing too crazy. You know, I was into uh, you like bikes when I was a kid, working on bikes, building bikes. Yeah, I've uh, always been uh, fascinated with cars ever since I can remember. Um, and I and I work on cars. I'm not like a crazy like mechanic swapping engines and stuff out. Um, You're not but, rebuilding you know, I, I, old like '60s Mustangs engines and stuff like that. No, I mean I have it. I have a 1968 uh, Corvette. I mean I redid the whole suspension on that car. Yeah, it looks beautiful. By uh, the way, I'd love to see it in person sometime. Yeah, yeah, you should. It is. It's it's sitting in my garage now. I'm uh, I don't know. I'm trying. I'm trying to plan when I can take it for a ride this weekend. Um, so yeah, that that car I've had for a couple of years. Um, and I've I've done a lot of stuff to that, but like I said, nothing super super crazy. But yeah, I yeah I've I've always liked stuff like that. How things work. Did you think pretty young that uh, engineering or just making things was kind of going to be your future? Or did you do, I guess, a lot of kids do and kind of figure it out when you were like, okay, I guess I'm going to college. Yeah. Um, yeah. I was, always, like I said, I was into like a little bit of woodworking too when I was younger. So I always liked like building things and making things and, and creating things. Yeah. Uh, you, you know, people my dad around was, you that, yeah, that's what I was just going to ask. Go ahead. Yeah, so my dad was an engineer, so he sort of, I think, steered me into that direction a little bit. You know, he had a successful career, mm -hmm. you know, working in the automotive industry. Oh, sure. And um, yeah, and I was like, I was like 18 and I had like pretty decent grades in like math and science and everyone's like, you should do that. And I looked at the sort of like the trajectory of like when you get out of school in like four years and like the starting salaries look pretty decent and the job placement looked pretty good. So I'm like, oh, this all just sort of like makes sense. Yeah. Um, and there's so many different directions you can go with as an engineer, too. I mean, people work in making uh, cardboard boxes. People work in making plastic containers. People work in making whole new things out of nothing like you do. Like there's people work on sending things to the into outer space. It, it, it really is a wide range. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Um, I, you know, I, I never felt like uh, in the career arena, I had that had those kind of opportunities. I mean, maybe if I was willing to move around a little bit more. Yeah. Um, are you are you yeah, from it, like the Traverse City area originally? Yeah, I grew up in Bel Air, which is uh, like about an hour hour away from Traverse City. So Traverse City is like the closest big city. Okay. To Bel Air, yeah. so Bel, Bel Air is small. I don't know what the uh, how many people are in the village. I graduated with like thirty five people. <laughs> that's <laughs> that's pretty small class yeah i had uh yeah at least 10 times as many yeah so it was yeah it was pretty small um and then i went to college up at lake state which uh for a college was pretty small but it felt big you know coming from bel air anyway yeah well and to to point out to people that aren't from michigan like you and i are lake superior state um is like it sounds it's right in the farthest north you can go like right on lake superior correct yeah it's yeah it's on the the far uh east side of the upper peninsula so it's just like an hour north of the mackinac bridge okay so when you were at lake state lake Sub well people do call it lake state right yeah people just call it lake state i feel like i've heard that before but i didn't want to sound like an idiot if i was wrong so when you were at lake state pretty smooth up there you got through school more or less no big problems and kind of had an idea what you were doing at the end of it all or yeah, I would say more or less. Like I never switched my major. Um, it took me five years to get a four-year degree, but it did for most people in that particular I was say, that's, program. That's pretty much average now, anyway, isn't it? Nobody really gets done in four years anymore. It seems. Yeah, well, I mean, people I mean, do. I'm not saying nobody does, but it's pretty common not to. Yeah, I think all my calculus classes I had to take twice because that stuff was really hard. Ouch. But um, I got, I did get good grades overall. Yeah, and um. Yeah, it was it was fun up there for the most part. I mean, it was kind of uh, you know, it's very the winters are very cold and long and yeah. I swear there's like months at a time where you don't see the sun and bro, it's it looks brutal. I've seen pictures up there where somebody uh was like first snow of the year and it was like early October and I was like, yeah, yeah. what? They've got a couple of inches in early October?" Yeah. Yeah, that's that's a thing. Um I think there was one year in February. I think the high for the whole month was like negative 20 or something like that. <laughs> I don't know if it was that bad, but it was, but it felt like it when you go yeah. outside and it just hurts, you know, um, immediate pain on anything that's not covered. Yeah. <laughs> 
but yeah, co- college college was good. It was nothing. Uh, yeah, I mean nothing, nothing too crazy. You didn't you didn't run up a big uh, rap sheet or anything while you were up there. No, stayed out of trouble for the most part. When you started actually moving into the professional world of engineering, what was the what was like your first gig? Yeah, so I've had um, between when I graduated and doing my own thing full time. I think I've had about five. I've worked at about five different places. Okay. So when I first graduated, I ended up getting a job out in uh, Madison, Wisconsin. Huh. I just wasn't really happy with it. I kind of wanted something more. It was a fun time out there. Um, I met some cool people and, um, you know, it felt like an adventure. Yeah. But then I got an opportunity for um, another job like in Traverse City. And it was like, I wasn't even out there a year. So I moved back to Traverse and that was like less than a year after I graduated. And then I I pretty much has been working in Traverse ever since. So I was at um, another company that makes industrial uh, worm gear boxes. What's that? So do you know what a worm gear is? No. It's if you if you you've seen one before, if you if you Google it, it's hard to describe. It's like when you have something with screw threads and that turns and that turns a wheel, the screw yeah, threads spin that, the wheel yeah, that, with cocks. That's a really that's a really good way to describe it. I, I'm terrible about describing about describing anything. I'm something of a wordsmith. <laughs> Actually, what I did was almost like sales there. For a lot of the time, I did what was called application engineering, which was um, a lot of just answering the phone and reading product catalogs to people. Yeah, I was I was there for, I think, almost five years. Um, and I probably got a lot out of that experience. I don't know if it felt like it at the time. I was still young. You know, I was like in my 20s and I'm like, yeah. like I want to do this or I want to do that or I want to yeah. build machines or I want to be doing just really creative design work without all the oversight and the being yeah. not being in a meeting with my manager and his manager and his manager. And then, you know, that type of a thing. Yeah. Well, I mean, sort you were like young, cor- passionate and talented. You wanted to do what you wanted to do. Well, I, w- I was young and passionate anyway, but um, <laughs> <laughs> anyways, yeah. So I was, uh, I did that. And then I switched to another company. Um, that was called Microline. I don't know. They're still around to some capacity, but they did these big, these big tools um, that would inspect uh, oil wells and gas pipelines. So they would shove them like into um, like a gas pipeline, and these things could be like two feet in diameter. And they had all these magnetic circuits and electronics and firmware. So that they could go through a pipe and it could accurately map out like where the pipes were corroding. Yeah. So they know like if huh. if they have to do repairs before they leak. Yeah, it's good, good um, stuff but, to stay ahead of. Yeah, the tech that's probably from a technology standpoint, that stuff was really crazy. Everything we built was out of titanium. Mm. Uh, you didn't have to worry about how much anything cost when you were designing things. You just made everything out of titanium. And you just made it as strong and light as you could. Yeah, that's nice when they're like, and, money is no object. Just make it. Yeah, I mean, you did spend, yeah, I mean, you know, hundreds of thousands of dollars building building these things. Um, it was an interesting place. A lot of like really smart, like nerdy computer electrical people. So yeah. like as a mechanical engineer, I kind of felt like, like what we were doing was was fairly simple compared to yeah, I mean there was there was people in there designing circuit boards, writing all kinds of, you know, what they called firmware and not software code. Mm. Um and I I'm not even sure what the difference is exactly, but um I mean there was stuff going on I didn't even understand. The magnets they had, they had these magnets on like this thing it's called neo bendium or, or something just to handle <laughs> those and package those was like a huge like safety thing like if one of those got loose it was like a projectile oh and yeah. like you yeah. you couldn't be around these things if you had a pacemaker like there'd be like people like if you swiped your ass up against like the tool it would just like wipe out the magnetic credit card slip you know be- before the chips you know yeah it would yeah so um wow. <laughs> that was that was some kind of neat stuff i was there for i think about three years 
Mm-hmm. And um, I kind of just got restless. And then I went, I went somewhere else, another company called Trantech, and they made um, like automotive cell or like um, automated cells uh, for the automotive industry largely. So it would be like a piece of machinery, like the size of a room or bigger that would put together like part of a car. So a lot of, yeah. a lot of robots and stuff like that. And I was doing more of the mechanical design. It was at that point, I wanted to do things that were more creative and it was, it was kind of like repetitive. So I was there for a year, year and a half. I can't remember. And, um, right around sort of right around this time is, is around 2014. I started doing my own thing. It was back when I was at Microline and I was really bored at work one day. So I was just like surfing the internet, which is what you do when you're bored at a cubicle job. Yeah. You know, you keep one screen open with something that looks like work. And then on the other one, um, <laughs> you look at something that's interesting to you to kind of make the day go by and just do a quick alt tab when the boss walks around. Yeah. Yeah. Um, <laughs> oh man, there, there's, there's like, there's a name, there's a, there's like a name for that. I just saw this meme and it was like, all the different names for like the different types of like lazy like workers, you know, and um, there was like a name for that. Somebody who only looks busy when the boss is around. Yeah. Anyways, I was, I was surfing the web when I was supposed to be working and I came across this, um, this website where it was just like these little uh, jobs. It was called Elance or something or freelance. We could find like these little freelance jobs. Someone would post a job and you could bid on it and then you would, do the job and then once the job was done they would send you money but it was all remote you know mm-hmm. and this thing was like the design of a uh, garden hose nozzle like one of those old brass garden hose nozzles and they wanted me to like reverse engineer it and make a couple changes and it was just kind of a fun little easy design project so i wrote like this really nice proposal to do it they sent me the thing i redesigned it they paid me like 500 bucks and i just thought that was really cool to be able to um you know, I'd, I'd never really done anything like that before where I wasn't just like working, you know, for an employee working for the man for like a paycheck. I actually bid on a job and I did that. Yeah. I was like, wow, I'd never done anything like that. So I started doing more and more of those jobs. Yeah, so I, I, I really wanted to do this thing full time. I was doing it for six months. I was trying to talk my uh, now ex-wife into it. Yeah, it's a scary jump. Yeah, it all, it all, all these projects dried up. Everyone's like, they were startup companies. And they're like, yeah, we, we're really good. We've made a lot of progress on the design side, but we're good with you for now. We need to go do sales or figure out manufacturing or whatever. Mm. So they're like, we'll let you know. And some of that work came back, but only a little bit. So I, I was used to having like all this time in my schedule. Yeah. Back when I actually had a routine and a schedule, um, you know, at night to design stuff instead of just watching TV or, or reading or doing whatever. Yeah. And I had just bought a um a Toyota FJ Cruiser. Um I still have it um because I have just way too many cars, but I buy I keep buying new ones, I don't get rid of the old ones. This would be the the famous one that's in the about section on the AJT design website. Yeah, I think I, I think I put them all in there, but it's it's in there. And the reason why that car is so cool that people don't realize is whenever there's a new car, usually there's like the company will have like a team that will build like a concept car. And it's usually like a vision of a very like one person or a very small group of people. Too many people get involved and the designs often get watered down. Yeah. If you Google like the concept version of the FJ and the production one, it's amazing how true that thing stayed to the concept so it's a it's a really unique vehicle you know the front windshield is almost straight up and down um it's got three windshield wipers a lot of this weird you know unique features to it i mean it's kind of like a jeep wrangler a little bit like toyota's version of that they made this thing for um like seven or eight years i think 2007 to 2014 they just stopped making it yeah this thing was like a, a one gen vehicle it was weird and I was at work one day, and again, when, it, when I was probably supposed to be working, and I was, you know, giving my mind a rest from like, you know, spending weeks on end just literally editing text and title blocks on drawings. Yeah, I was looking at my key fob, and I'm like, wow, that thing is like really boring. And I'm like, I bet I could come up with something that's just cool, just for fun. So I designed this thing, this this fob case, and it took a lot longer than I thought it would because I had to reverse engineer all these parts, and mm. you know, it was all these 
you know, all the parts have are sort of like, uh, you know, irregularly shaped. It wasn't most of the stuff I did in industry was very like, you know, very more like squared off, like dimensionally, um, not like, uh, yeah, not a lot of curvature. So anyways, I figured this thing out. Uh, I had it designed. I had designed it. I had it 3D printed. And I put it together and it was kind of neat. Yeah. And it was different. And I, I took design elements from the car and put them into the fob. After I got the FJ, I joined like a like a FJ cruiser group on Facebook with all the other car nerds that talk about, you know, different <laughs> things related to the FJ or show off their modifications or, or stuff like that. Yeah. So I posted a picture of this of this fob that I made. I was like, hey, look, I made like a thing for my car. And it got like a ton of attention. It was I remember just being blown away. Uh, you know, hundreds of people liked it. Everybody wanted one. And I was, you know, I thought I would post it. And maybe one or two people would think it was cool. Or maybe one guy would like would want me to make him one or something like that. Yeah. So it got all this attention. I remember getting really excited about it. So I tried to do, remember Kickstarter? Yes. I tried to do, it wasn't Kickstarter. It was a different version of that. So I was always trying to build up enough capital to, to buy a mold, to have it injection molded. And I didn't know anything about injection molding or, or tooling or, or design for that at all. But I found someone online who could make the tool and make these parts. So I, I had sort of a business plan, but I needed several thousand dollars that I didn't have at the time to tool this thing up. So I said, well, if I do this Kickstarter thing, I could sell three or 400 of these. I could make this whole thing work. I think I sold like 10. It was like a total flop, which at the time was like super depressing. Sure. I think after a while, I just said, well, I could just continue to like have these 3D printed and kind of put them together and sell them out of my house. Yeah. And I didn't even have a website. I was just posting things on these uh, social media groups and people were PayPaling me money and I would ship them out. And I would sell just kind of like a handful of them a week. Uh -huh. I certainly wasn't making a lot of money, but it was it was exciting and it, and it you know, it felt cool to be to be doing something like that. Yeah. So I'm doing this while I have a normal job and I'm doing design work for other people. I did this for a long time. And I, this is at this point in my life, I have like a lot of moving pieces where I switched jobs again, where I worked for a company that made surgical instruments, hmm. uh, retractors, things that held people open. And I was doing contract work for them for about a year. And I begged these people to just hire me full time as like an engineer. I'm like, I'm good at designing this stuff. Like the company was like awesome compared to where I was before. Like the culture was cool. Um, the stuff they were doing was really cool. And I'm like, I just need to get out of this other place and into this new place. So I, I finally talked him into hiring me, but at the same time, I'm building up my own company and I was doing um, a couple other projects. I tried the 3D printed fob cases. I knew I just couldn't build a real business out of that. So I tried making one that was uh, CNC machined out of aluminum and plastic. But they were, um, these five cases, they were very expensive. Also, it turned out that they blocked a lot of the actual signal because of the metal case. So they were ah. really, really beautiful. But people were getting them and they're like, I have to be five feet away from my truck to open it up. Yeah. I mean, I did eventually sell them all. And I tried like building little antennas inside the fob cases with like a little piece of wire. Um, I had people help me figure that out. I don't know that any of that ever really worked that well. But I, I did a round of that, but that was kind of a nightmare doing that. I can remember I would I would be at work and then I would be like in the bathroom on the toilet doing like customer service on my phone for like the other business trying to put out all these fires. The mold that you buy for a product is, is very expensive, like thousands of dollars. Um, I mean, I've, I've done molds now that the mold costs more than the car that it goes into. But at the time, this mold might have been like five or six grand. I can't remember. Damn. So I said, we're going to do, I said, I want to do a mold. I've saved up enough money where I can afford to, to buy from my other side business, where I can afford to do this thing. We kicked it off and the parts just looked terrible Bruh. because <laughs> um, I didn't, when I designed the part, uh, the, the the actual geometry, the outer design of the part, I still make these things and, and sell these things now. And I'm still happy with the design of it. You know, some stuff I've designed, I look at it and I'm like, my God, that design is like total shit. Like that thing just shouldn't exist. Like, what was I thinking? <laughs> and there's other things I look at. I'm like, man. I designed that six years ago. I still think it looks, yeah. that's sort of the, the artistic part of this, of what I do that I don't even really 
um, it's very hard to describe how, how or why I do it. But anyways, they look terrible because I didn't <laughs> understand the design for injection molding. Like the, the walls of the parts have to be relatively uniform and, and all these other considerations that I understand a lot better now. Um, yeah. so that was, that was like a big learning curve. And I felt like it took months of like tweaking the tool. We worked at it. We worked at it. We worked at it. We finally got them to the point where they were good. And I started selling them and I could just, that's kind of the point where I'm like, okay, these are really taking off. And this is something that's actually from a business standpoint, like I can actually make, make money at, at doing this. Um, and that's kind of when it, that's kind of when my business really kind of when I would say it really started. Um, so I, I just started doing more of those. Um, and I, I think that's about the time too, where I said, I stopped doing contract work for other people. So I said, I'm going to have my day job and I'm going to be doing all of my extra time is just going to, I'm going to pour it into this. Hmm. Um, because this is actually making some money now. Yeah. I'm trying to think. Yeah. By the end of like that year, I looked at things and I, I was really building my company and things were taking off and, you know, I was working like crazy. So basically I would work my normal job for like eight hours. Mm -hmm. I would leave, I would run around town to pick up parts, usually bring them to someone else to have the parts finished, to have some post-processing done. Spend like an hour running around getting parts. I'd bring them back to my house. I'd have dinner with my family for a couple hours, get the kids to bed at eight. And I'd work from like eight to like 11 or midnight. And I'd just do that every night. So that between eight and midnight, I was shipping out all these orders of these things I was selling because I was doing everything out of like a bedroom in my house yeah. that gradually got more and more caved in. So it looked like something out of hoarders. There were so many boxes of stuff. I couldn't even ah. keep track of what Is I had. Channels, Doug, that you could walk through. Yeah, pretty much. So I was doing this for like a year and it was, mm -hmm. but it was really fun and exciting because all these things were taking off and they were doing well. Yeah. Um, and I'm just selling these on my website, you know, posting pictures of them on Instagram and just kind of letting the, I would say word of mouth, but it was all online, you know, people on the forums, whatever, posting pictures like, hey, I just bought this fob. It's pretty cool. Everyone, well, where'd you get that? And that's all it was. Of the whole thing, that was probably like the most exciting period is just watching it take off. A year later, I'm like, man, I made more money actually doing, selling these fob cases than I did at like my normal job. And I didn't really hate that job, but I liked doing my own thing better. Yeah. I mean, sure. Why, who, who wouldn't rather wake up in the morning and go, what do I want to do? Yeah. Yeah. I want to say it was like February or March of 2018, where I was finally just like, I've got to just pour all of this time into just doing my own stuff and maybe, you know, stop working 70 hours a week, every week. Yeah. Right. But I wasn't, it, it, I tell people that because I, I don't work that much now. And I'm like, I wasn't really burned out. I was tired, but I just had like, I had a very strict routine. Like I tell people, like I went years where I would watch maybe three or four hours of TV a year. And I just, uh, I didn't exercise. I didn't have really friends that I saw very much. It was just working and then uh, doing stuff with my family. And then that was it. Um. And it was, I don't remember that being like, you know, awful. And it was really exciting because I was building something, but it wasn't like what you'd want to do forever, at least not for me. I mean, some people yeah. who are workaholics just love that. And I was like, you know, I can do it and I can, I love this because I'm doing it for myself. It doesn't really feel like a job. And I liked, I liked the process of designing it and then watching the sales take off is, is really, really exciting, you know, to sure. something that you've built and watch people buy it and watch the money come in is really cool. Yeah. Um, and I, I still, I mean, I still do that now and that's still kind of my favorite part of, of what I do. So anyways, I quit my, re I quit my real job. I finally, you know, had talked, um, my then wife, I started developing a lot more stuff at a lot faster clip. And then, um, a few months after I quit my job, me and my wife decided to get uh, divorced so like I moved out and I bought my own house and around the same time I had to move the stuff out of my house anyway. So I leased the facility for my business for my warehouse per portion of it. I hired a, I hired a guy to do um, basically to keep the warehouse up and do the order fulfillment and ship the parts out so I could just focus on designing and running the company. So all this happened over the course of like six months. It was a really drastic change. Dude, I was but saying, all, it sounds like almost everything in your life changed in a, you know, relative instant. 
yeah it was it was it was a really cool uh i mean it was a lot but it was a really uh it was a really cool uh period of time so i did that and then you know i had i had this really nice home office and my new house uh my company was was growing sales were taking off i was designing all kinds of new stuff you know my creativity was really good and um yeah, that 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 was pretty much that. Um, and yeah, I just, just kind of continued. I just got to say, continue. up to this point in your story, I'm sorry to cut you off. Up to this no point problem. in your story, I think the most interesting part of all of it is how many times you said, and that completely didn't work, and that was a huge failure, and that idea completely fell on its face. But you kept going. So yeah, I, I kind of want to know, like, what is it inside of, is it just like a, do you talk yourself up like, Oh, all right, that sucked, but we can do this. Or is there a part of you that just is kind of like, no, I'm never going to stop. Yeah, it's it's kind of both. I don't I don't really I don't really think about it. Um, I mean, some setbacks are bigger than others. Yeah, but did you always um, have I a think, pretty I healthy I just... understanding of like failure as part of the process? Because a lot of people, especially people that have gone all the way through college, worked for other people they become conditioned that like, I have to do it right. And when they don't, it becomes bigger than the original hurdle itself that they didn't get it right. Oh fuck. I'll just give up now. You know what I mean? Right. Um, yeah, that's, that's an interesting question. I mean, I feel like I've had, if you look back far enough, I mean, setbacks, you know, uh, your whole life, if you think about it, um, like things that happened in high school that didn't work out or even in college. I remember when I, like I said, I had, there was like three calculus classes I had to take over again. And I remember like at the time, especially the first time, one of those classes I had to retake over. I mean, it, it felt like a crisis. I'm like, I don't know if I'm even smart enough to like graduate with this degree. Do I have to change my major? And now I've got to take this class over right. and I've got to drop it so it doesn't screw up my GPA. And that happened. Like I said, I think there was about three classes I ended up having to do like that. Um you know, and maybe, and maybe that was the first time, you know, something like that happened. Um, I can remember when I graduated from college, there was one job that I really, really wanted. It was down, um, oh, like Holland, Grand Haven area. And they interviewed a bunch of us. I remember just really wanting that job. You know, I took the interview very seriously. You know, I dressed up all nice and I was very careful about what I said and trying to impress them, go through this whole thing. And then a week later, getting an email being like uh yeah we're we're not gonna hire you you know uh turns out we only need one person and we need an electrical engineer so yeah maybe at some time in the future but for now we're not so there's you know there's all of um yeah so i mean like that was a huge kick in the gut so if you look at your my, my whole career i mean your whole life whatever there, there's always stuff like that and then the other thing for me is like i said i had a lot of jobs and i don't know that i ever really felt like I loved most of them or any of them all the time. Like I never really like got up in the morning and was like looking forward to going to work and working on stuff. And maybe, right. maybe if there was a really exciting project, maybe for little bits of time, but generally it was like, okay, I have to do this thing. I'm kind of watching the clock when it's four 30, then I can, I'm watching for four 30 when I can leave or when it's noon so I can eat my lunch. Yeah. Um, that type of thing. So I knew I, I had been through enough of those two that I knew, like, if I even had a small chance of getting getting out of that and having like more freedom, you know, yeah, where freedom, I that's what everybody just, wants at the end of the day is just yeah, where I, where, do where I don't want to do. Yeah, yeah, I don't, I don't, you know, um, I don't want to have like, I never really wanted to be a manager or boss other people around. That didn't sound like fun to me either. I just kind of wanted, you know, nobody like on top of me telling me what to do as much as possible. Yeah. And also this idea, like if I have a really good idea and I work really hard and I try to build something and it takes off, I want to reap all those benefits instead of just going to work and collecting a salary and basically getting paid the same amount of money, whether I try or not, you know, it's like, this, <laughs> yeah. it's like the scene from office space where he's like, he's like, if I work my ass off and in a tuck ships out a bunch of extra boxes, I don't see another dime, you know? Yeah. Uh, there's, there's a lot of, if you've ever, if you've ever had a job like that, where you've worked for, you know, a midsize corporation and been in a cubicle, um, 
I remember watching that movie in high school and thinking it was hilarious. And then once I had a real job, I'm like, shit, this isn't funny. This is, this is kind of real life. Um, yeah. And, uh, yeah, you, you, it's, there's sort of like, a um, there, there's sort of like a, I don't know, I want to say like a depression or, a or like a vibe or an energy from like, you know, cause so much of that work that needs to be done is so mundane when he's like, I update software code for the whatever. Um, and I did, I did some work at those places that was creative and it was exciting and it was fun and it was challenging, but a lot, and even what I do now, there's, there's some days where I spend days, even for what I've done now, where I, what I do is, is fa- it can be fairly mundane at times, but, um, yeah, I, th- I think I had like a strong drive to sort of escape that and go into this new thing that I was doing. It was just, it was just really fun and it was exciting. So wh- whenever something like that would happen, I was just like, well, I'm just, I'm just like into this now, you know, I'm like, there's not really like, it's got to fail a lot worse for me to actually give up, yeah. you know, <laughs> there's still setbacks with things, um, you know, always it's just, you have to keep trying and the good things and the successes sort of have to outweigh the failures. Yeah. Yeah. It wouldn't be life if stuff didn't go wrong. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I just, I've, I've done, I've done, uh, a couple different projects, a couple different products this year where I've put a lot of time and effort into them. Um, you know, and then I, only two of them will, will sell, you know? Yeah. So I'm like, I don't know. I, I did it. It's, it's good. I'm happy with it. Maybe, uh, with some time it will take off or maybe a year from now I'll come up with an idea to make it better or cheaper. And then that version of it will take off. Um, yeah, that's, it's just sort of the, the, the nature of the beast. It's not just like winning hundred percent of the time. Yeah. But as long, as long as it's most of the time and, um, you know, then it, then it, then it just sort of works out. Yeah. That's, that's my biggest advice. I think to anybody who does anything is just to try to take that same mindset that I guess you've had where like, you know, don't take a failure as like you did something wrong. Take a failure as, oh, okay, well that doesn't work. What else can we try? Because eventually, you know, you can only fail so many times before hopefully you get better or you learn or you just avoid the mistakes, you know? Yeah, I think doing something like this, it's just sort of like you you are, you do have to learn a lot of things the hard way. Yeah. Um, it's Yeah, it's not especially like, engineering, it's not like there's already the blueprint. This is the right way to do it. You have to, you have to navigate what is the right way to do it. Yeah, I mean, that's part of I had a college professor once and he was like, you know, you'll probably never use a lot of these specific classes. He's like, but being an engineer is really just about learning how to figure things out and problem solve. Yeah. So you're not going to be able to look everything up in a textbook. You just sort of have to build the, the skill of sort of figuring things out. So that's that's the way I look at it. The, the business side of this is was all very new to me, and that was as the business grew, that part of it became challenging. And I did find there was like a local uh, group that sort of mentors like startups and small businesses. Oh, nice! Um, and I only had a few meetings with them, but they were very helpful. Where, where they would tell me things like, "You need to find an employee to do to do your shipping like you shouldn't be spending your time doing that or you need an accountant like right away they're like you're not going to be able to do be doing your own taxes that one's big too because i i sell way less books than you sell stuff but uh when i started selling stuff it wasn't until i was at like a third or fourth event that somebody came up to me and they're like hey are you uh factoring in taxes on this and sales tax and stuff i'm like uh no and I didn't have a way to take credit cards. I only had like Venmo and that was it or cash. Yeah. So like now I've got QR codes. You can pay me on all the apps. I got a tap reader so you can pay me with the credit card. I'm a, a lot more prepared. Just like you said, I made a thing, but making a thing you find out is such a small part of selling the thing, marketing the thing, a whole other world from the creative side. Yeah, that part becomes big really quick. Um my the thing that's hard with my stuff so i sell most of my stuff like on my website so like yeah. all over the world and all over the country where each state has different sales tax mm. so well, that, that is it part, based out that of the, where that, the sale is then like do you, do you pay your state tax on it and they no whatever? it's based on where they buy it 
So if someone, oh, so if really? someone orders something on my website from California, they pay California state sales tax. Oh. And I have to, I have to keep track of all that. So I have basically my accountants figure it out and there's like a software and I have to pay. So I have to, I have to collect all that from the website and then I have to send these payments out to the individual states, but all the states are, the percentage is different. The threshold is different. So if you only sell like there, like say like $500 a year in a certain state, you don't meet the threshold for even having to collect that, mm, you know, but yeah. each state has a different threshold. You know, some states, you know, might be a thousand, some states might be 10,000 and all of it is relatively new. So almost like before I got started, you never had to pay sales tax for anything online. Mm -hmm, um, yeah. But then, but then the, the laws changed because all these brick and mortar stores were like, you know, people are just buying stuff on Amazon because they don't, you know, because instead of buying it at the store down the street, because they don't have to pay sales tax on it. Yeah. So, you know, I mean, I remember doing that, going to Best Buy and looking at a set of headphones that was yep. 300 bucks. <clears throat> I'm like, man, I can save 18 bucks by just ordering this on Amazon because there's no tax. Just, just an example of how, yeah, how, how it gets complicated really quick. So yeah. anyways, I had, um. Kind of early on, I had I had somebody I had a bit of guidance anyway to do that, and then the accounting people have helped me with with a lot of things. I've worked with several different people trying to figure out, um, you know, marketing. I've got a guy right now. I'm putting a lot of my catalog on Amazon, basically, so people go on Amazon and they can buy my stuff, and it's Prime. But that's that's a whole process of getting you know getting that up. I'm kind of you know in the middle of it now. Since we're talking about you know kind of spreading out the jobs uh, so that you can focus on your things. Do you do your own social media? Yeah, right now I do. I've not found anybody. Um, I was I, I, I was just saying, I, I was going to say it's impressive that uh, somebody I'd, I'd who... I'd love not to do it, but I do. <laughs> somebody who does their own social media, even though that's not what they do, really, uh, has no, 50,000 plus followers. Well, I mean, you got 50,000 followers, buddy. That's... Yeah, so yeah, Instagram is weird. Um, yeah, that was that was pretty cool to build up that sort of organically, you know, but just posting things. And most of my Instagram is just taking things that other people post and then reposting them. Or if I do something new, I'll post it. Yeah. So that's how I started it. And then I have a Facebook too, which is less powerful. That basically just reposts everything from the Instagram. Same here. But I'm at the point now where I need, I actually, it's on my list of things to do, find someone to do like, um, I think I should be on TikTok, but I'm, I'm too old to figure out TikTok. I don't, I don't want to be on TikTok. TikTok I, and they I say threads now too. What's that? They say threads is the, the new place to be. The so threads is like Zuckerberg's answer to Twitter, right? Pretty much. So I'm not, I'm, I'm not on Twitter. Um, I don't want to be on Twitter. I'm not going to be on Twitter even <laughs> when it switches to X or whatever, whatever yeah. is going on with that. Um, I don't, yeah. And see, I don't know if those are effective platforms for sort of selling things like that's, that's a person that I need that I haven't found. Um, so like I said, right now I'm doing like the Amazon thing and I'm like, I need like a really good overall sales marketing person that understands all these online platforms and blah, blah, mm -hmm. blah. And I joined this online group where this membership costs $150 a month, but it's all these people like me, like successful entrepreneurs and people who have started these companies of like things that, you know, but like small startup things. Like if you ever heard of like things like solo stove Oh yeah, or yeah, like, yeah. So like the guy who started that is on there. Um, and if you're into skiing at all, there's these there's this new brand of goggles called Blade. That, that I um, haven't heard it's, of. Yeah, so it's like ski goggles, but it's kind of like a new startup brand. And like you see him around and like you know, it would I was like he had he had posted something about his brand and he was asking opinions about like the font for their logo, you know, and I I'm like, you know, into that conversation and stuff. So it's a cool little network, but you have to sort of interview to be on there and you have to be at a certain level. Which is kind of, and I'm kind of at like the lower end of that. But so I, I found some people, but I posted them like, if this is a guy I need to do all this marketing stuff, and they're like, that person is a unicorn. They don't exist. You have to find like, <laughs> you'll find like experts in each little sector of it. So it's like basically, I need five different people. Um, so so that's part of what I'm kind of working on now is sort of sort of finding that. Right now, I'm working on more of like the Amazon piece. Yeah, but I've 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 done some basically advertising and marketing, but nothing 
on like a really big scale. I've never found anyone. Um, I mean, somewhat, but usually content creation, I have to do it myself because what I, what I sell to is a very niche type of a market. Mm-hmm. And if you don't understand that, see, I, I show a lot of people what I do. And a lot of people like don't even understand why it's a thing. Cause most people just buy their cars and they drive them. Yeah. Um, what I, what like, I, why do I need a door is, handle, a special door handle cover for my, driver? yeah. Like who cares if it's Chrome? Why do you need to change it to black? So <laughs> I, this, these are, these are like very like people who nerd out on their cars and everything has to be a certain way and they can't leave anything alone. They have to touch, modify and change everything to make it you know, like how they want it. Yeah. So, it, but if you don't understand, if you don't understand that and you don't understand the specific subset of, I mean, most of my stuff is for Toyotas. So if you don't understand the whole Toyota culture and the sort of why people are doing this and the right buzzwords, and you, I've had people try to create content. I'm like, this just looks terrible. Anybody who sees this is just going to laugh at it, you know? So I've gone, so I've, I've really never found, um, you know, someone who's really amazing at marketing. So right now, all my stuff is, it's basically kind of just selling itself. I mean, we, I do Facebook ads and, and stuff like that. Um, yeah. Do you find, do you find you have good luck with those? I, I supposedly, I've never really f- been able to measure it. Yeah. The, the people who are doing my um, marketing now, they've been working for me for like two years and I keep asking them for that and they're still working on it. And I don't know. I just, I just pay X amount of dollars every month and I, I'm hoping it's, it's worthwhile, but I, I honestly don't even know. Yeah. That's, this is the part, this is the part of the thing, like I said, where I try to find people to, to help me out on, cause it's not the part that I'm good at or that I'm interested at. So my yeah. challenge is as the company grows is to be able to sort of, you know, offload this stuff on other people so I can, you know, focus on doing the things that I like, which is sort of high level you're deciding where the company is going and actually just designing the stuff. Yeah. Cause otherwise you get buried in all that other stuff. And then you just end right. up with that same feeling that you had at the other job where you're just like, I'm just doing this stuff. I don't care. Yeah. It's never that bad though. Cause at least I'm like, well, you know, like I've done a lot of this stuff for, for getting my stuff on Amazon. A lot of that is mundane, <laughs> but at least, at least that I can watch the results. You know, I'm like, wow, our sales are really ramping up. And at least I'm like, at least I'm like making more money, you know, and I, I still get to make the decisions, you know, I decide which project products are on there. And, you know, the, the guy who's helping me out, you know, I mean, he's got a lot of input and he's building these things, but at the end of the day, it's, it's sort of up to me, you know, I have, I have the power to make all the decisions and stuff. So it's, it's never, it's never quite that bad, but um, yeah. Yeah. I can at least see the value and I, I know that it's necessary, which is why I do it. Yeah. And if it's in the budget for it to get rid of the things that you don't want to do, why not? Yeah, I mean, it, 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 it's just, it's sort of, um, you know, it makes sense to take, uh, and it feels less less so than now, but you know, to take these little leaps, you know, mm-hmm. like when I first hired that guy or when I first got rid of, you know, my my real job, my day job, whatever, you, you take these leaps that feel sort of, you know, like a thing at the time. But if, you know, if you're, you're smart about it and you've planned it they they tend to they tend to work out yeah and you follow through <laughs> yeah and that that's big that's a big part of it you can't <laughs> you can't just be yeah. like i'm gonna sell my house i hope it works out yeah yep that's yeah there's also that <laughs> <laughs> uh well thank you for everything that you've uh shared and said today um last thing i guess if there's somebody out there who's uh, got the entrepreneurial spirit, but they're just, they're not sure what to do or if they've got it in them. What, uh, what's your advice to people who are like, Hey man, I want to, I want to do my own thing too. Um, I would just tell people to go for it. I don't know. I, I, I never have any, anything real specific. Uh, I mean, or like a, that like advice a real... is, is common. Just go for it. But I don't think people really don't can understand like <laughs> it really is the best advice you can get like you can you can prepare for things but there's a point where you over prepare and you just have to do it i mean if you don't go for it you're definitely not going to get there um and if you do go for it you might get there or also you might not that's kind of the reality of it Um, you might end up somewhere else that's equally cool but you just didn't see it coming yeah or yeah or you might end up back to where you started but at least you tried i don't know yeah that's sort of where i was at i think um, at, at the beginning, you know, I was actually, so I told you I was going to try to listen to some episodes of this podcast to just get my head in the right place for it. 
you know, figure out your personality and st stuff a little bit. So I kind of felt like I had was prepared. I used to listen to podcasts all the time when I was starting my business. So um, there's a lot of good podcasts about people, or at least there were, you know, five, six years ago. So I'd be at work and I'd have, we had the headphones on to tune out all the people around me. And I used to listen to podcasts all the time about people starting businesses or how companies got started. Yeah. There was one that was called how I built this. And he'd interview like, you know, like the guy who started Starbucks or, you know, it could be anything. And they would, they would tell these stories about how they started their company. Like the guys who started Ben and Jerry's, you know, out yeah. in Vermont, you know, making ice cream in a barn and all, yeah. all the stuff they went through. So I, I listened to all of these things. Um, and I don't know that I actually learned anything real specific from any of that, but, um, I, I felt like that was really helpful, sort of inspirational, sort of yeah. like, okay. Well, you know, if these nothing else, it probably put stuff. you in the right mindset to do yeah. the things that you were on. Yeah, it was it was a mindset thing for sure. So um, I so I actually, I used to listen to podcasts all the time and I listened to a lot of those and I, I found those were, like I said, you're not, they're not going to lay out some formula you can follow to figure this out. But, um, you know, listening to other people's stories is sort of helpful. So yeah, well, like yours too, people are going to hear you say, I, I failed at this thing. I failed at this thing. This thing monumentally did not work out, but yeah, here I went. So I kept going and eventually I figured it out. Yeah. For, yeah. For, for advice, there's, there's generally, it's, it's a long winded answer, I guess, in my mind of, of how to, how to get there from there here from yeah. there. So I was no, just like, man, I really wanted, I got excited about it and I thought about it a lot and I was just doing it. I just, I really wanted it. And I really wanted to, I wanted to at least try, you know, yeah, like I said, I had a lot of like products that, that from the beginning that didn't do very well, but I just kind of kept like I don't know. There was just something in me. I'm like, I'm going to kind of figure this out. I know there's a way to make this work, and I'm not really sure how. You know, I don't have like some five year plan for this company. I'm just I'm just going, and um, yeah, that that was um. You said five year plan. That made me think of a uh, uh, Big Daddy when he's like, he's got a five year plan. What is it? Don't die. Yeah. Right. <laughs> I've, I've never had a five-year plan that's my five-year plan still be here <laughs> yeah I, I never i never have any of those i'm not, I'm not one of those people uh, it, it drives people nuts but i'm like i don't know i could make a five-year plan but i'm gonna be doing something completely different in five years so what does it matter yeah i yeah. you know if, if i look back five years from now i wouldn't have predicted you know my business or my life would be anywhere where it is now but um Actually yeah, you wouldn't have thought you would have all those so. hose on your boat. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you sorry. you never know. Sorry, Sometimes sorry, Rachel, it just works Amy, out. and all all your friends. You're not really hose. Yeah, yeah. No, they they were talking about that, and someone didn't know what the song was. I can't remember who said it. They're like, or someone's like, yeah, Chris wanted us to play boats and hose, or whatever. It's like no, and it's like, and fuck him for calling me a hoe. And they're like, no, it's the song. <laughs> <laughs> It was funny because I don't think I don't think I had, I don't think I had heard that song, or or I, or I forgot about it. And Amy was like, sent me like the video of it. I'm like, you got to listen to this and play it on the boat. You know, it's hilarious. Yeah, Amy and told then, me she's yeah, like, I had to play the song for Adam. He didn't know what it was. I was like, oh, okay, well, good. Now he knows. Yeah, that's pretty funny. But um, yeah. So. Yeah, I mean, you know, I, I, I guess you're talking about advice for people. I would say, um, you know, if you can find mentors, if you if you know people who have who have built a business, one thing a lot of people used to give me advice when I was doing my business, and these were people who were successful mm -hmm. but had never been an entrepreneur in any um, capacity. You uh, know, so their so advice like, is different. Show up on time. Be be agreeable to everybody. Like. Yeah, I mean, it's just, you know, it wasn't that it was, like, it was necessarily bad advice, but it wasn't like completely, completely applicable either. Yeah. So, um, you know, and, and the, you know, and everybody's path is different and stuff like that. But like I said, those podcasts, I think were actually really helpful. I used to listen to, I would listen to those podcasts and I would listen to any kind of a podcast that had to do with music where like they dissect a whole album, you know? Yeah. You know, song, song by song. And this, this player was playing on this track and this guy wrote this part of the song and the songs about this. I would, I'd, I'd nerd out on those. And then, you know, how to basically how to start your own business or, or startup stories and stuff like that. And then now, uh, the, the, the way my sort of schedule routine 
or lack of routine is now I just generally don't sit still in one place for long enough to actually sit and put one of those on. So I'm either just moving around or, or listening to music. Um, and I've, I've, I've been off of the podcast, but I will, this one ever makes it out onto the interweb. I will check it out. Yeah. Nice. <laughs> uh, well, man, that's, that's all I got for you. Um, okay, cool. Thanks for coming on the show, Adam. Yeah. I appreciate it. I had a great time. All right, everybody. Thank you for listening. Thank you. If you're still listening, check out Adam's business, AJT design, their website and their Instagram are in the show notes. Love you guys. See you next time. If you're still listening, go buy my book. It's on my website, ChristopherTallon.com, with two L's. Um...